Hello and welcome back to Life-Giving Habits from Seven Vineyard, where we are looking at things Jesus did and asking, if we do them too, can we become more like Jesus? And so, can they become life-giving habits for us? Today, we've got a talk Mal Caladine gave about reflection, looking at where we are in life, and not just looking, but asking questions to help us explore how we've got here, what's grabbing our attention, or shaping our experiences, and why. It was the start of 2015 when Mal talked about this, so look out for 15 reflection questions, which seemed like the perfect number at the time, and I think it's fair to say we've thought of more questions since then. Some of us read a lot at Seven Vineyard, and Mal started by noticing something about that. You're reading something about uh, guys at the end of their lives saying what they wished they'd done more of. And one, um, you know, there's the kind of, maybe the obvious ones of, you know, I wish I'd spent less time at work and more time with my really loved ones. But the one that surprised him was it said, I wish I'd reflected more. I wish I'd reflected more. And I find an unreflected life is the saddest thing that I come up against. I've got three teenagers. I love having three teenagers, and they are amazing. And they don't do this. But when I come across guys who do, it's that classic teenage, how are you doing? Don't know. How are you doing? Yeah, what's going on in your life? Don't know. What's important to you at the moment? Don't know. Well, an unreflected life is the saddest thing I've ever seen. Okay. It's, it's my heart. But <laughs> I, I say, oh, okay. But inside, I'm kind of mourning because actually that's saying, I don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah? Don't know. I haven't reflected on what's going on with me right now and what I'm supposed to do about it. And do we give enough time to actually observing, looking at, this is what's going on in my life, and then asking questions about what we should do about that? Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you 15 questions for 2015 that are the homework through the rest of the month. They're 15 questions to draw out the don't know. To draw out the what's going on with you and what are you supposed to do about it in the next year. Okay? Should be of some... uh, So 2015, I I love this image of of the year stretching out in front of us. And there are different ways, I think, to think about what are you reflecting on as the tracks of your life. Often, the, the one track that we can most concentrate on is the track of reacting to things that are happening around us, yeah? where we're responding, where we're reacting to something that's already happened. Yeah? And that's all we're doing, where it's just all I'm doing is responding. That is good stuff. And the, the Bible, I think Jesus calls this um, kairos. He uses the word in Mark uh, 1.15 where he says the time has come. And he doesn't use the word chronos for chronological time. He means defining moment. The word kairos means defining moment. It means something that gets your attention. Yeah? Something's got your attention and we're reacting to what's got our attention. France is reacting to what's got its attention. Hugely today. 
Do you get what I mean? But it's a reaction. It's a response to, some, to a massive, for its culture, defining moment, what Jesus would call a kairos. And then Jesus actually says, in response in Mark 1.15 to that kairos, he says, repent and believe, which means change your mind and put your faith into practice. In, in, reflect upon what's happened, change your mind and put, it, put your faith into practice. And what he says in that is the kingdom of God is at hand. God's rule and reign is near. This thing is getting your attention so that God's rule and reign can come, is, can come more in your life. And what does it look like for you to change your mind and put your actions into practice? That's a reflected life. So one track is being reactive. But if, if we only do reactive stuff, we can become like a conference junkie. You know, the, I go to one event and, oh, I've had a great experience and it was amazing. But then I don't, I don't have any other experience in my life until I go to my next big way moment. Yeah? And Jesus, uh, if you're going to put a scripture to that left-hand track, it would be Mark 1, 15. If you're going to put um, a scripture on the second track, it's Luke 17. And if you turn to it with me for a moment. This is what Luke 17 verse 1 says. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Difficult stuff is bound to come. Yeah? And woe to anybody who actually causes people to stumble. Yeah? And then uh, he says to the disciples, watch yourselves. And then he talks about people wronging uh, his followers and says if people if your brothers and sisters wrong you you need to forgive them even if they really really do it a real real lot you still need to forgive them and their response is increase our faith but I think that that sense of increase our faith was almost out of desperation you know that that disappointment of yeah I do stumble and yeah I do get annoyed with my key relationships and I do want to keep forgiving them, but actually I feel like I live in stumbling and unforgiveness half the time. Yeah? Increase our faith. Increase my faith. Do you see that? Where it says it? The apostles' response in verse 5. Increase our faith. And that's something really interesting what then Jesus says. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell that thing to change. You can tell that big thing to move. You can get there. And then he gives an example. But what I really want to get to is the example in verses 8 to 11. Um, and he's talking about a master and a servant as the story of, okay, increase our faith. And the, the, he says, would a servant sit down with his master? Or would a servant say, he brings it to, to the fullness in verse 10. Uh, he, won't, he won't just be casual and just chill out with the master. It says in verse 10, no. When he's, already, when he's done everything he was told to do, he would say, I'm just an unworthy servant who's only doing my duty. What stops us stumbling? What stops us? Um, uh, you, or what, what allows us to start living into forgiveness and really seeing God's kingdom come 
is the things that we know the Lord has already told us to do. Yeah? What are the things the master has already told us to do? So being a follower of Jesus isn't just the left-hand track of responding to the exciting moment of something that gets our attention that's either positive or negative. It's also reflecting on what has God already told us to do? We're just unworthy servants who can start acting bored or don't know what we're supposed to do. But actually, we do know what we're supposed to do because we know what the master's already told us to do. I find it really interesting to sit down with guys and say, what do you know that God's already told you to do in your life? And are you doing it? Do you get it? So the two things, the two areas to reflect on of these 15 questions, most of them will be, I think, things that are getting your attention of this is the moment, this is the experience that I'm observing and asking questions of. Some of them will be, what has the Lord already said to you? And he's just reminding you. He's reminding you that you're supposed to put that routine, that regular regime in place. And I love the idea that there's sleepers into the distance of 2015 because that's the rhythms of the year. That's the, that's the rhythms that we can put these things into practice. Matthew 11 in the message, verse 29, Jesus says, Come, let me show you the unforced rhythms of grace. And I love the idea that sleepers show, you know, that, that they give that lovely sound on the track, don't they? That London to York, London to York, London to York. That, that whole, that regular, what am I supposed to put in place that is a regular rhythm that, that helps me now in my journey? So the things that I hope you're going to put into place would maybe link to this track. The reactive things of experiences where God's getting your attention. Uh, routines and rhythms. How does it work? What does it look like? Well, if you, if you Googled learning circle on the images online, you'd get about 60 or 70 different understandings from different academic institutions of what it means to reflect using a circle. And they use slightly different words, each of them. But normally, the key thing is, you have an experience, what Jesus would have call a kairos, yeah? And then, you would have a, you would reflect on that, you would observe that experience. So, um, just uh, quickly, grab your phone. Where are you right now? You better go to maps, yeah? Where are you right now? You can press that bottom arrow, and it should tell you where you are. Yeah? And if you're clever and you put your finger on it for a while, it may lead to a drop pin. Yeah? The learning circle is we put a dropped pin. Reflection is to pin where we are in the moment and go, Lord, what are you doing? And then you look at it. You know, where are we? Well... I'm on the corner of Silver Street, and there's a police thing over the road, and Marks and Spencers is quite close by, and various other things, yeah? And you observe, the first thing is you observe your experience. So it's experience, and then it's observations of that experience, where you are, yeah? Reflection is when you go beyond observation, 
Reflection is when you start to ask questions of your observations of your experience. So reflection is to ask questions. That's all it really is. Reflection is asking questions. So a question you may want to ask while your phone's in front of you is, how do I get home? Yeah? You type in home, and it normally gives you three or four different routes. You're asking, how do I get home? And then you've got to work out what's the best route. Yeah? You pin it, and then you work out the route. Asking what I hope the the life-giving habit's going to be through this month is to ask questions of our reflections, of of our observations of where we're up to. We're going to ask questions of where we're up to. And the main questions that we ask that really draw things out, you know, in the art of conversation, there are six good and trusted men. Their names are who and how and what and why and where and when. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) Do you get that? So there's six open questions that you can ask. But the most important, you know, who, what, where, how. But the most important one is why. Um, Because a why question pulls out three things. A why, you know, there's going to be lots of people in France, you know, over this last couple of days going, why is this happening? And when they actually reflect on it, there'll be three points that will come out of it. Why is, what's the meaning of this? Does this mean anything in our culture? Does this mean anything for our society? Have we done it wrong that we've banned any religious headwear and the burqa and everything like that? What does this mean for our society? What are the causes you know, why is, is the other why is, why did this happen? Is what caused this? And the third one is, um, what values, what worldview do we put on this? Why did this happen? Actually links to why, why is it important to me? Do you get it? Meaning, causes, and values. I could spend a lot of time unpacking those, but this is in the little notes for... Um, on the website. So if you want to play with that and unpack it a bit, you can do it on there. So let's keep going. This is what I want to do. I'm going to just bring this into asking you some questions, asking you specific questions. So on the website, it should show something like that with these four different banners. Um, there's ideas for what does it look like for reflection in your community household, whether it's a family or a shared house. How are you going to actually ask one another more questions over in your home? And one of the things that we suggest is doing that over, the, over a meal, over supper table, and especially doing best bit, worst bit. But that's explained more on there. Next one, um, personal exercises. Uh, one of the way, biggest ways that we can reflect is by writing it down. And we want to encourage this month to, can you identify your experiences? And then what are you reflecting on them about what are you supposed to do about them? What is your response? And uh, I found myself reading both New Testament, Old Testament, the amount that it goes in Isaiah and Revelation. Revelation, It says, look, see, listen, and then write it down. Same in Isaiah. Look, see, listen, and write it down. 
So we wanted to challenge you to, a key way of reflection is journaling. You can do it with a nice trendy leather bound one. Or you can use Evernote or Noted or an app or one of those apps or something online. As a, to respond to the 15 questions that I'm about to give you. And this is they. They're basically in four sections. There's a couple of ideas for small groups and whole church as well. But um, these are the, the, the 15 questions that I'm just going to say them fairly quickly. Just do a little bit of uh, explanation. But I'm asking that the Holy Spirit gets your attention about what is the one that is most the question for my life right now. Yeah? And these questions are in four sections. Can you go on to the four sections? And, the four se- and if you're in small groups, you could do these questions one week a month in your open small group, potentially. But um, these are the four sections. The first is, where do I need to be encouraged? Where do I need encouragement? Um, the second is, where do I, uh, where am I engaging with people? And people as I need to. The third is, where am I engaging an activity and doing it right? And the fourth one is, um, where am I being challenged? Where am I being challenged? So they're the four areas. Encouragement areas, people, activity, and challenge. Is that on the, is that on the website there somewhere? On the, sorry, on the screen? Don't worry. Um, this is the slide after. But can, can you go, Lucas, to the, uh, to the questions? So, these are the questions. First one is, for 2015, 15 questions for 2015. And this, this is in the format of the worksheet, so that you're familiar with it. Um, where... Uh, First one, in terms of you, the first section is you being a personal encouragement. So a moment to think, um, where in 2015 could you most be encouraged? Where do you get encouraged, supported, or inspired? What's a place, a pilgrimage site? It might be, I think God's doing stuff there, or it might be, I like going up mountains. Yeah? And I know I meet God up a mountain. What is your place that you could organize to do something this year where you know you will encounter God? Yeah? Anywhere come to mind? Might be the one for you. Oh, you're going to foul the bread then. <laughs> so, move on. Great. Then secondly, who do you get encouraged by? Who encourages, supports, inspires you? A person or people. Like, I love the way that they do family. Or the way that they are living their lives radically. We had some friends who just went over to South Africa and saw some guys living in community in, uh, in Durban. And the way that they're just pouring themselves out and living in the poorest community in Durban. It was like, we are so inspired. We want to come and see these guys every year. Who are the people that most inspires you? Have you got a plan to go see them in 2015? And what is it? 
Next question. Last one on the encouragement. When do you have fun and recreation and are you having enough? I think one of the best reflection questions can be, are you happy? Is my partner happy? Are my kids happy? Are the key people in my life happy? Am I happy? Where do I do fun? And am I doing it enough? Are we doing it enough? Yeah? Recreation literally is being recreated as a word. I love that. That what we do to recreate ourselves recreates us. If we're, no, if we're doing no fun 101, we're probably missing it. So is God getting your attention about where are you having fun? Yeah? And is it in? Are you doing it? That makes sense? They're good three? Good. Let's move on. Next section. People. Here's questions for 2015. Who should you invest in this year without any expectation of getting anything back? You thought that you have stuff in you that is worthy of being of, of sharing with others. Who would you like to invest in? Who do you want to invest in? I'd say the two key factors is they should be somebody, if, you, if it's going to have energy, you need to believe in them and they need to take not just your comfort but your challenge as well. My brother-in-law was going to join, uh, come and live, basically come and come and into the same area and join us. And, uh, and moved close by. And he, and he actually said to me, it me, it challenged me, he said, Mel, I know I really want your comfort and support, but I'm not sure I can take your challenge. I thought, wow. Well, that means I probably can't invest in you in the same way. So who do you want to invest in? And it's probably that you believe in who they are and what they can be- become and that they will take your comfort and your challenge. Next one. Do you have sliver mentors? There's a great book called Blink, which talks about all kinds of different things. But um, one of the ideas within it is the idea of sliver mentors. And that is, we don't just need one mentor in our life. We need people who we invite to invest in us in the different areas that we know they have expertise. So that might be... um, for your work, for your for financial, that person knows a lot about money and they invest in things and it works and everything I invest in doesn't work. Have you ever thought taking them out for a coffee might be a really good investment? Yeah? That's a sliver mentor. Somebody is like, I love the way that they parent. Uh, we, could, we could learn from them. Have you given them permission to, to connect more? Have you asked them to connect more and speak into our situation? Have you identified who you'd like your mentors to be and what you, can, uh, what you could do with them? See that thing at the bottom is the import, the, uh, these people are what are called VIPs, very important people. And our life is made up of VDPs, VNPs and VIPs. VDPs are very demanding people in our lives and most of our life is vnps very nice people yeah but we need the very influential people 
to inspire us and keep us going. Can you think of yours? What areas and who would you want it to be? Where do you need input and who would you like to do that? Might be, I just want to become a, I want to be able to pray more. And I've noticed that, wow, that Vicky Punch, gosh, she prays a lot. And I, I want to, you know, I want to learn to pray like her. Do you see what I mean? This is how we grow. This is how we cross-pollinate. Yeah. Okay, next one. That's people. The third section. There might be a blank page there because I think it formatted wrong. Is activity. If we're growing in being followers, followers still need to know how to follow. I was really challenged by a guy I know who is in his late 50s who took on a new challenge and he said, I need to take on a new challenge because I want still to be an apprentice at something. I want to be somebody who's still learning something new. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, the guy who started uh, Facebook, does the same thing. But he, he sets a higher bar than most of us. I think he's learning Chinese this year as the thing he's being apprenticed in. Yeah? What do you want to have as a new... What is a new skill or something that you want to be invested in? My one last year was chainsawing. And uh, I really, I, I felt a bit guilty, you know, with the winds being really high and all these, all these things on the news of roads are being closed and there's trees all over the road. I'm going, ooh, fallen trees on the road. <laughs> My chainsaw could get very excited about those. <laughs> and, uh, and they're feeling guilty about all these people stuck on the A66 between Bows and Bruff because they can't move anywhere. But... Um, yeah, and I, I got to know a tree surgeon, and I said to him, on my day off, uh, can I just come and be your groundsman every now and again? And, oh, can I have the wood <laughs> as payment? And he went, yeah. And I've been learning to do reverse cuts and all kinds of things. Anyway, <laughs> where can you still be apprenticed? Where can you still be apprenticed, and what in? Next one. Um. Where do you identify there's most energy in your life? Yeah, Where do you see life around you? What are the things that have got most life? And where are you supposed to invest in them? What's got most life? And where there's life, I think we're supposed to pour more and more water on it to see its full fruit. Yeah? Next one. What is the area of my life in which I most need to stop? Sometimes we need to be given permission to stop. It's normally the area where we don't think there's life anymore. Great having a conversation with a... um, I did a brilliant... There's a brilliant new church plant in Gloucester that I get to work with who are in the docks. And this morning, they're meeting. They've moved out of their building. And the first time in the outlet shopping mall, they're meeting in the cinema in Gloucester, in in the outlet shopping area in the docks. And it's they've grown so fast. It's brilliant. Yeah? And I got to do their weekend away last year. And they were... it It was a really, really cool time. 
It happened in Wales, and it was, I, I got to go and see, it was close enough to where Gavin and Stacey was filmed, so I got to do a little pilgrimage there, and it was just really, really cool time. And, and God was really at work there, and they said, can we book you up again in 18 months' time to do our next one? I said, of course you can, and it's this February, and he called me last night and said, hardly anybody's booked in. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, is that where the life is? And he said, well, we're doing three alpha courses a year. And we've got, and I think all the energy is in that we're seeing 50 or 60 non-Christians coming on the alpha course. So everybody's energy is in those weekends. And he said, well, well, that's where the life is. Don't do the weekend. And he went, are you sure? It's like, yeah, stop it. It's, where, it's not where the life is. He needed permission to stop. Yeah. Saying that, I hope 100 people haven't booked in today. But, uh, but, uh, yes. So that one. Okay. Keep going. Next one. Um, where should I give outrageously in 2015? If you're not sure that you should give, read Proverbs 11. It says, those who keep the money to themselves, it disappears anyway. But those who give... It keeps coming back at them, whether they mean it to or not. Where is it actually a sign of worship to give outrageously? Where it actually helps our heart, but it also is good news to others. Because being generous is good news. I bet you, if I said to you, who are the most generous people you know? Think of them, yeah? And then, are they good news to you? Hmm? And then, who are the tightest people that you know? And are they good news to you? Get it? Being generous is good news. Where are you supposed to be outrageous in your giving this year? Keep going. Oh, this is a challenging one. They're getting increasingly challenging. Have you noticed? Holy Spirit, come. Um, (laughs) I love the idea of submission being coming under somebody else's mission. Romans 12 verse 10 says, practice playing second fiddle. Where are you supposed to practice playing second fiddle? Where is God getting your attention that there's a place to serve, come under somebody else's mission this year? Okay. Five slightly more challenging ones, and then uh, we're just going to have a minute or two to be quiet and ask the Lord to remind us of which is the one he's getting our attention about at the moment, and what are we supposed to do about it. And then I'm going to ask you to say one of those things to one other person and pray for them, and then we're done. So here are the more challenging ones. What is my greatest area of weakness or temptation that I still know I need to attend to? Where is my plan to be one step away rather than right up close to it? Scripture says, um, flee temptation and resist the devil. We spend half our time fleeing the devil and thinking we can resist temptation, which we normally can't. So what does it mean to be a step away? David and Bathsheba is one of the most famous stories 
of you know somebody having an affair that was inappropriate. But from my point of view, the main issue was he was already walking around on roofs at night. Yeah? His version of uh, surfing the net or late night TV. Um, keep going. Who are you most accountable to? And what do I want them to ask me? We've talked about this with the students and said to the students, on your phones, write down the five questions that if you really trusted somebody, what would you want them to ask you? What are your five questions? And do you have somebody that you'd know who to ask them to? Keep going. You can see why this is going to take a month now, yeah? (laughs) Good. Keep going. Slightly funny ones to finish with, or funny as in maybe you wouldn't think of them initially. Is there anywhere I need to embrace mourning in my life? For to, to, to come into this new year not feeling like I'm carrying something I shouldn't be. And that's because Jesus in the Beatitudes clearly says that his promise is he comforts those who mourn. I think sometimes we don't experience his Jesus comfort. We don't get to the point of acknowledging there's something we're actually mourning so we don't get to comfort. And if you know that your heart is uncomforted in a particular area or place, it's normally that you haven't embraced the, the issue that actually I'm mourning that and I need to invite Jesus in to comfort me. Does that make sense? So can you identify an area where actually I know I'm still mourning that and I haven't allowed Jesus' comfort to come in? And last two, is there anything from this last year, 2014, that you meant, you knew that there was something where God was getting your attention, but you never dealt with it? Can you identify that? Yeah? What is your kairos that has been left undone from the last year? Can you identify it? And what are you doing about it? And finally, number 15. It was for freedom that Jesus has set us free. Can we at the start of the year start to think about responses and routines that help us deal with anything that we're still carrying that I know I need to put down or make intentional plans to deal with. I love this verse in Galatians 6, 5. It says, "Um, everybody has an appropriate burden. There's a difference between the things we should be carrying and actually I'm carrying this thing that is taking up my mental energy. I think about it when I'm in bed. I know it's an unresolved issue because I spend more time on it than it's worth. And I haven't yet dealt with it. Then do you know what that is? And can you make a plan for it? Is Is that a good 15 for 2015 to get you going? Let's pray for a couple of minutes.
Holy Spirit, we believe that you've been here. And I I believe that you've just been um, landing on people, just uh, prodding, prodding, pushing at the ones that are particularly relevant at this point. And so, Lord, we ask, I just ask now for the things that are particularly pertinent for each of us. You'd show us where you're getting our attention. But, Lord, you would show us what the plan is for your kingdom to be at hand in this situation. Help us to ask questions of the situation and come to a plan that is seeing your kingdom come, your kingdom at hand. And you'll break through in our lives.